Hey, welcome back, guys, to the Hey Bub Outdoors. We've got a great show for you today, and thanks for joining us. My good friend Darren is here from Brambleberry Farms. And uh, Darren, thank you so much for joining us tonight. He's here to talk about grafting. And everybody, this is a skill that is so important to at least learn about, if not to learn how to practice. And Darren is an expert at grafting. He'll say no to that, but there's many people in the area that would uh, would say the same. He's a he's just an incredible guy from Brambleberry Farms. He and his family live in Southern Indiana, and uh, he he is someone I would consider a a mad scientist in the world of of grafting and of fruit trees and plants and of all things uh, edible foods. He loves edible food and and Darren uh you you guys are just kind of trailblazers thank you so much he has a consulting uh portion of his business he has workshops there at his at his farm he has a nursery with all kinds of incredible plants and trees you can buy and I think those are going on sale what maybe this week Darren you guys yeah they're actually they're all out and I think this like this Saturday's our first day we're gonna have well I think first Saturday April we say we're doing open uh store hours on Saturdays, but I mean, people have already stopped off a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can find them on Facebook at Brambleberry Farm and also www.brambleberrypermaculture.com. Darren, thanks for coming here, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Any uh, anything else you want us to know about you, buddy? Any, <laughs> any uh, anything I left out there? Oh, just I mean, you kind of nailed it. I mean, I'm. I still don't. I still feel like I see all the things that I need to learn yet. And it's hard for me to um, accept the title of expert because I don't think I am really expert, but I don't know. I've learned a few things and um, glad to share them. So that's my whole MO is if I can help people out and share what I've learned. I enjoy teaching those things. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing yeah. what you've learned with me. And I can't wait for people to make a connection with you through this and Cool. And hopefully afterwards. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, you want to get yeah, Darren, uh, Darren. yeah, I think just to get things rolling here, let's kind of let's kind of just get the cards out on the table. What is grafting? Why is it important? How can you be set successful doing that? Uh, just kind of give us a basic understanding of what that term even means, I think would be a good place to start. Oh, certain. Um, well, grafting is is re- it's extremely simple what it is. All it is, is, is a process of cutting, carefully cutting two pieces of plant material um, and binding them together in a way that they will fuse together. Um, exactly like, you know, if you cut your finger and, you know, you wrap a bandaid around it and it starts healing, um, forms a scar, which in grafting we call callus tissue. Um, but basically, it's operating on the principle that two tissues of i mean actually it works with skin too um on humans but um two tissues that are similar enough genetically um will fuse um if they're still both alive um and become one thing and so um uh it's it's and basically so what happening for trees is is basically taking a stick of one type of tree one usually it's one cultivar or improved variety of a tree that we really want to reproduce um, and putting that on what's called a rootstock, which is just basically something that is going to be the roots of that plant for the entire life of the tree. Um, and so, uh, 
you know, there's all kinds of, I mean, there's just hundreds of different types of graphs and people, you know, name their own unique ways and everybody, we all kind of come up with our own little, you know, twists on specific classic graphs and kind of make them work for us. But um, really it's just, it's all about um, lighting. Anything you do with grafting is lining up the cambium issue of, so if you take a twig of any tree or shrub and you scratch the bark off of it with a knife or your fingernail, you'll see a bright green, um, kind of it's the like really healthy, alive plant looking tissue. And that is, that's a little thin ring around the um, stem of a plant. And even in huge trees, you know, that cambium is still there. You can't scratch the bark with your fingernail anymore, but if you, again, you would find a little green ring and that's the part that grows. So it's sort of, you know, a little twig starts out and then each year that that's the rings that kind of form is that cambium kind of growing out and getting bigger and bigger. And so with a graft, you know, you're starting out with little stuff usually, uh, unless you're doing a bark graft, um, you know, you're starting with a little twig and you're getting those to fuse. And then if they fuse well or graft well, um, that little tiny twig, is going to just keep getting bigger and making layers just like a regular tree. Um, but there will always be two distinct individuals. I mean, basically a grafted tree, is essentially it's just, two, it's two different trees um, fused together that grow together for the life of the tree. I mean, there's all kinds of great metaphors. You can talk about that with marriage, um, and all kinds of things. You know, the Bible has a lot of references to grafting and, um, in a, in a nutshell, basically what it is. Um, so the, the why is a much larger question, and I could probably talk for two hours about the why. Um, and I'll try and keep it short. And feel free to pull the uh, shepherd's hook and pull me <laughs> off stage if you need, because I tend to be a rabbit oh, you're, trail. You're great. Got a guy. Um, oh, you're great. Keep going. But basically, <laughs> the why of grafting um, is also fairly simple at its basic. It's basically a simple way to clone a plant as some kind of quality that we like. Um, most of us humans, we graft trees for better fruit or better nut. You know, fruit that's sweeter or bigger or more disease resistant. Maybe it has higher antioxidants. Um, but uh, we've also, humans also have grafted trees and more of them are starting to do this. And I would say this is a particular interest to hunters out and farmers there's more and more interest starting about finding trees that have superior fodder characteristics so not necessarily the fruit sometimes it is but maybe the leaves are more palatable um, or maybe the fruits drop at a certain time they're not necessarily big um, but maybe they drop in the middle of the winter and you can have persimmons that'll feed deer um, in the hard hard months of you know January and February there's not much else to eat or cattle, or sheep. Um, so there's there's a whole world out there, um, and the, you know, grafting. There's no real. You don't have to graft for better fruit. You could graft because you found this tree that had a really interesting shaped leaf or an interesting color leaf, and then yeah, ornamental nursery industry. They have all kinds of grafting that's just purely for ornamental purposes. So um, that's the why. Now the interesting thing is that. Grafting is just one of many different ways of cloning plants. So 
if you if there's a plant like elderberry, let's just use elderberry or willow because those are just extremely easy to root. You can just cut sticks, put them in a jar of water on your countertop, and they will grow roots within a week. And you can plant them out, and you have a clone of that plant. Um, there'd be no reason to graft elderberry then, um, unless you were trying to get like a tree type mulberry, I mean, tree type elderberry and using like European elderberry that might be more tree form and then grafting American elderberry on top of that. But it seems really complicated and some things are a lot simpler and you don't even need to learn how to craft, produce those. Um, blackberries will root at their tips um, where they touch the ground in the winter and you can just clip those off the mother plant and move them where you want. And that is a clone of that plant that's gonna be exactly the same type um, unless there's some sort of mutation, which is um, but um, so clone, that's all basically cloning. Um, you know, hostas, that kind of thing you can dig up and divide. But some plants you can just sort of like cut into pieces, move them out, and you make one plant into four or ten or whatever. Um, but the the really important thing I want to emphasize on this why is that. Um, and it goes back to, I think Adam said something about diversity. Um, the, the graft cloning things is great, you know, but if we're, if we like human kind of have gotten our, I mean, in the U S at least, at least 10 years ago, we're sort of stuck in this rut of, you can only buy like red delicious, golden delicious and granny Smith apples at the store. Now we have all kinds of great new ones. Thank goodness. Those things and um but they were i guess shiny and bright and there's a lot of theories of why red delicious is not very delicious that's on guess but um but basically there's a danger in focusing too much on cloning plants i think i mean i we can keep diversity by grafting a lot of different things but it's also important i think to realize that uh, seedlings planting seeds of any given plant is an entire different process and it is not cloning. It is creating completely new individuals that are genetically unique from their parents. So if we only graft and reproduce, we'll never get any improvement on what we have. So I have not done much of the breeding work, but this is where the realm of plant breeding comes in. And I have so many people um, that have been amazing mentors to me that are plant breeders and that they focus a lot on trying to find new and better varieties by plant. Uh, one of my, my primary, my better mentors, the um, grafting and things has been Donald Compton here in Valine, um, Indiana. He's an older gentleman who um, has a, a humongous persimmon orchard. Uh, he planted out like a thousand or 1500 um, seedling persimmons where, where he crossed he hand crossed two different improved male and female persimmons together. And he did a couple of different crosses of these and labeled them. So he was bagging flowers, taking pollen from one, opening the bag up, putting it in and closing it. And then oh fruits, and then planted these seedlings. And now he has this orchard that's 20 or 30 years old. And there's just so many amazing persimmons that are way better than even most of the, I think most of the grafted ones that are common at nurseries. So a lot of the ones we sell are his varieties and um, I'm trying to get his work out there because it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, 
and it's it's a whole other realm. I mean, I feel like I'm a grafter. I'm a, I reproduce trees and try and get them to people. I, I like the idea of leading, breeding plants, but it's like like a whole other realm. And I yeah. think it, you know, we just take my focus probably away from grafting maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that in my older years. <laughs> That's what you do. You start out yeah. grafting and then you want to start breeding plants. <laughs> but it's, well, I just, it's, just a, it's important to, to kind of keep I think both of those ways of reproducing things going. Yeah. Um, the, well, Derek, the, can we uh, can we show folks kind of how uh, we have a video here that's about two minutes long, and we're going to show folks, give them a visual of of a video that you posted on your um, Facebook page, mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm going to share it. Great. Um, we're going to go ahead and watch it. Um, before we start, I mean, you got your rootstock. Uh, that's what's mm -hmm. in the pots, right? And and uh, so we'll go ahead and show a little snippet, and we'll stop and ask maybe a question or two, and then we'll watch the rest of the video. Okay, so Sounds let's good. go ahead and start it. Off of the rootstock. This is M one eleven apple rootstock. M one eleven apple rootstock. Flats of eight. Oh, my God. So now I'm going through and shaving for efficiency. I do four at a time in a row. A little trickier in a pot because you don't want to pull the roots that are forming off. So it's a lot easier than trying to have things of water and stuff. And so I got that going, and then I go through and I'll make my tongue cut. Okay, so you were doing kind of an angled cut on all the rootstock coming up. What yeah. kind of, first of all, what kind of graft is this, Darren, that you're doing? Great question. Uh, so, and it's unfortunate you can't see, I think there's a little zoom further in, but um, this is a whip and tongue graft. And this is what I use for, I'd say like 90% of what I do. Um, it worked really well. It's simple. It has its own sort of locking mechanism built into it and it's easy to wrap. Um, I'd say, especially for small potted stuff, um, or if you're in doing stuff in the ground, um, it's young and small diameter, this is the way to go. Um, it, though it does take, I, I feel like it takes a little more um, time behind the knife or time behind the wheel, so to speak, get, to get it down. It's, I mean, you have to get two different angles that are very smooth, flat, and get them to match up. And, um, so yeah, basically I'm making a, an angled cut and then it, I was just starting to go back and make a little tongue cut yeah. where, you know, you're kind of splitting a little bit down to kind of open up a little wedge that two will sort of yeah. lock into each other. And I think, I don't know if we'll see it. Yeah, it will. Well. It'll, it'll zoom in right here. Yeah. We'll go ahead so. and zoom in. There we go. On each one. Oh, wow. okay. And now I'll start shaving the same thing. These are the pieces of sign with this is red free apple. So make sure they match up decently. So this is this is your scion wood that you have in your hand off yep. of the apple variety that you want mm -hmm. you said it was red number red 10? free 
Red Free is it's okay. a really good disease resistant, uh, really early ripening apple. Um, so you're going to put the scion wood by the rootstock stem and mm-hmm. and make sure that the face of the cut is yes is okay. similar, right, or really yes. close. Yes, exactly. And um, I'm trying to. I'm in, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll yeah. keep going. Mm-hmm. The tongue cut. From the cyan. And then match them up. Try and get the candium to line up as best you can. This one's a little bit narrow. I was running out of cyan wood, but they usually, especially apples, pretty good at grabbing that. And then just to sort of, I would normally be doing all these, but I'm going to wrap this with parafilm. Half inch parafilm I like. I do not use the rubber band like everybody else does. It's one more step, and because everything's in a greenhouse, never had any problems just using stretched, sort of tightly wrapped parafilm. That's done there, and I usually top it off with a little dab of a tree wound seal. So. All right. Yeah. So that end wow. product there really with cool. the parafilm wrapped around it, I mean, so so it's ready to go. You don't need to. Yeah. No magic so, formula after that or anything. No. And the crazy thing about it is, um, and some people completely disagree with me on this, but <clears throat> you know, when I started, when most people start, they're so concerned about, um, so concerned about keeping everything perfectly sterile and clean. And I do have a little jar of rubbing alcohol with a dropper and every, about every 10 or so graphs, I'll wipe my knife off with that. But everybody says, Oh, you're doing plant surgery. You know, you have to keep it, you know, surgical clean. And I'm like, what I've seen and some of the stuff I've done, especially out in the field where you can't clean everything off that well. I mean, plants have that sap has its own antibiotic properties. And I feel like those things, it's much more important to get a clean cut and match things up than it is to keep it clean. Um, some pawpaws I've even like grafted down almost below the dirt. I've had to kind of part the dirt out to get a, a big enough, big enough section to graft onto, and I kind of like push it, push it out, and kind of, and I, you know, there's like dirt in there, and I'm grafting anyway, and it's like it's amazing. It'll just take and grow, and I mean, yeah, I mean, grafting's a lot more forgiving. How long does it than, normally? Go ahead. How long does it normally take for the? I guess it probably depends on the species a little bit, but for the cambium layers to grab basically mm-hmm. to fuse together it's a good question it is yeah. it is very different on different species but something like apples um you know if, if they're starting to grow out um you see some growth on the buds you can usually look um carefully take that tape away and you can see a little tiny bit of it looks like a scar you know forming um in easily like a week or two um some things take a lot longer um and yeah, there's some things, mulberries, I feel like grab on really fast. Pawpaws, I think grab on really fast. Um, some things like dogwoods, edible dogwoods I've done seem like they take a long time. Well, they fuse, it's like, they're, it's like the bottom is feeding the top with sap, but they haven't completely formed a good fusion yet. And those are particularly important. Uh, not disturb them until they really get that figured out. So, there is there a, a particular... Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. We'll edit this out. I was going to say, is there, 
is there a specific size of tree of pets? I mean, so obviously you're doing it on uh, some very young trees there. Is it like a, after it gets a certain age or a certain size, it's very, very difficult? Um, or is it you can do this on mature trees as well? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So basically the graft I was doing, I would say you'd be limited to anything. And once it starts getting above three quarters of an inch diameter, I mean, you just have to, to be able to make that, that uh, smooth, you have to have a, like a much yeah. beefier grafting knife. And it, I mean, you just, it like, wears on your wrist pretty bad. Um, that'd be the upper limit I'd say on that. Um, and then you move and then, and then to answer your question, yes, for larger diameter trees, you can totally graft them. And like Adam was talking about, that's where we're talking about bark grafts and they're called bark grafts because instead of trying to get, you know, you can't get a scion that's, you know, three inches in diameter, you couldn't really get that to take very well. Instead of that, we get little scions that are, you know, quarter inch or whatever, and we graft them around in different spots into the bark. We kind of splice them into the bark on the larger trunk. So you just cut, a lot of times you cut off the trunk, uh, whatever height you want to make the grafts, and then you just make little, there's all different kinds of bark grafts. Take little cuts into the bark, where you can see that cambium and then you shave your scion down to the same shape make sure that cambium is lined up and then you wrap that whole thing in like i use um flagging tape is great like forestry flagging tape it stretches it stays on there for a little while um you can just wrap it a, a number of times and then tie it some people put little nails in there to hold them um but those graphs what's really interesting um it's a great question because the little graphs I was doing, those rootstocks were just one year old. And their potential for growth is very small for those in, in up the year after they're grafted. Those trees are only going to go grow like, you know, one to two feet probably, maybe three if they were like really happy. But when you cut off a tree, like I, I often do with persimmons, you cut it off. The tree was like, you know, maybe let's say three inches diameter. Um, let's say it's you know, 10 or 12 feet tall cut it off with the salt and you put some tiny little sticks on there. And if they take and grow, those things will often grow like eight feet, you know, out of one little bud because there's so much potential from that root that's on there that it's making up for lost time. Um, and so you're not, it's really interesting. People kind of worry, well, my grafts didn't take, uh, I'm going to have to order a new rootstock and start over. It's like, no, no, no. Plant that rootstock and get it growing and every year keep trying to graft it again. And when you get it, you're not going to lose a lot of time. Um, you're going to, that root will be more established. It's going to make that top grow. a lot. Yeah. Interesting. So, Interesting. and even, so Darren, if I'm right, even if you plant, uh, say, say I did a bark graft with some uh, late dropping persimmon scion wood mm-hmm. that I collected uh, a couple of months ago, if I graft that this spring, there would be potential that it could even bear fruit this year, next year, right? Next year. Um, next year. I've seen some, I mean, it's, it's the way the plants grow. Um, the persimmons, you know, they, they don't flower right off of the old wood. They flower kind of off of a shoot that comes out um, and it has some flowers on it. Some things like apples and um, pears and other things that they have, peaches and things have like just a flower bud and there's a flower bud and there's a vegetated bud and they're different. You can see them on the plants. Um, 
so those you almost have no chance of that new sprout flowering at all. The persimmons and some of the other ones that form flowers on the growth post bud, um, I have seen persimmons in particular flower um, or try to at least as they sprout out from that graph because if that bud that you put on there was ready to flower with the shoots that were coming out with it, it's going to try and do that. Yeah. Right? It may, I, I've never really seen them set fruit. Um, well, the main thing I guess is, you know, you're grafting them at completely the wrong time. So their flowers aren't going to match up with anything. Right. right. You'd almost have to have pollen say back and do that. But right. that, what you're saying is like, yeah, often it will try and bloom the next year or the year after on the side. Freeze. So you're That's not really cool. like, yeah, they can, you're not losing time. Speeds up the process. Yeah, and that is another reason people graft, especially plant breeders. Um, universities tend to use, um, they will start seeds of apple crosses if they did. And it's for just one species we're talking um, And if they waited for that apple seed to start flowering, you'd be, you'd be looking at a minimum of seven years. So they saw the first flowers from that, be able to see the first fruit and see what these thousands of seedlings they uh -huh. created are going to do. So instead what they do is they, they grow them for a year and they take cyanwood and label them from each of those seedlings and number them down the row. And then they graft them onto usually a dwarf rootstock, dwarf apple rootstocks bear fruit a lot sooner. And by grafting that little one-year-old stem onto another rootstock, they can get it to fruit in like two or three years versus seven. Uh -huh. And so they're speeding, grafting does speed up the time flowering. Yeah. Waiting. Well, Darren, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing some knowledge with us today, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for all you do. Uh, he and his wife have just an incredible place there in Southern Indiana. So check out more information. Uh, we're going to put a link in the description below, uh, both to his Facebook page and his website. Um, and also we're going to have a link down there. YouTube for, channel as well, right? We don't have a YouTube channel. <laughs> we're not quite that, uh, oh. I don't know we're not I quite that, that organized, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, I'm going to post a link to of a bark graft in there too, just so people Great. can see that. But, uh, man, we really appreciate you. And thanks so much for being on today. It's, it's been uh, great just to hear from you again. So yeah. Good if you have any face. tree questions, guys, contact Darren, uh, hit up his nursery. He's got great stuff at great prices and, uh, it's, it's grown for, uh, kind of this area. So the rootstock works here. They're very specific and, and, uh, what they sell, they wouldn't sell you anything that wouldn't grow around here. So thank you so much, Darren. Appreciate your time. Hey, thank you guys. Yeah. Well, we'll yep. catch you guys yeah. next Thanks, week Darren. on the next episode of Hey Bub Outdoors. Thanks for joining us today.